Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I ask you to go with me to the book of Mark chapter 10. I have taught this lesson uh, in various places around the country, uh, leadership conferences and things like that. And I feel like I need to teach it here tonight. We're going to talk about leadership tonight. We're going to talk about that. I think it's very important. And uh, it goes along with us being mobilized. We have got to be ready. We have got to be prepared for the kingdom. Praise God. And I will tell you in a, a couple Tuesday nights, Sister Gill is going to be teaching on organization, systems, and uh, protocols and different things like that. Uh, and I know that's going to be an exciting uh, lesson as well. But let's get to this. Mark 10, 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. Somebody say, God's way is different. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all amen i want to talk about tonight mobilize servant leadership mobilize servant leadership heavenly father today we thank you lord jesus for you being in this place today i pray god that you would help us as we study your word let us oh god be led of your spirit in this lesson Oh, God, we want to be good good followers and good leaders, Lord Jesus, and good stewards and good servants, oh, Lord, to your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. Mobilize servant leadership. I am... A man that really, I don't like to read, but I do enjoy reading what I'm studying. And uh, I have a lot of leadership books in my office that I've read and some that I haven't read and some that I read and threw away. But uh, there's all kinds of ideas when it comes to leadership, what leadership means. Uh, Let me just quote a few things uh, from some other sources Craig Groeschel, who has a big leadership podcast, and he said, one of the biggest myths, one of the biggest myths of leadership is that you have to be in charge to lead. One of the biggest myths of leadership is that you have to be in charge to lead. John Quincy Adams, one of our founding fathers, said, if your actions inspire others to dream more, to learn more, to do more, to become more, then you are a leader. You see, I don't think that leadership is just isolated to those that have positions or those that are in quote-unquote leadership and they're the only ones. I believe that God wants all of us to be leaders. You are leading something, somebody you are influencing. It may be that that baby you're holding, but 
You're you're influencing somebody in your life, your family members, those that you hang around with. You're influencing people. A, A leader is one that's going to inspire people to do more, to be more, to learn more, amen, and to become more. Dr. Miles Monroe has got a, I believe, a very clear definition of what a leader is. He said, leadership is the capacity to influence others through inspiration, motivated by passion, generated by vision, produced by conviction, and ignited by purpose. Now, that's a, that's a pretty long definition. John Maxwell narrows it down to this. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Leadership is influence. In one form or another, we are all leaders. Amen. The question is, what kind of a leader am I going to be? If you're a mother, what kind of mother am I going to be in leading my children? What kind of father am I going to be? If you're a grandparent and you've got grandkids, what kind, of, what kind of leader am I going to be? When you walk on your job, you have to decide what kind of an influence am I going to be. You do not have to be the boss to influence the culture of your work. You do not have to have a position at MPC to be an influential leader in this church. If the, if the idea is that I've got to have a position before I can be a leader, then we're missing the mark of God's design for leadership. There are those who rush for the notable. They rush to be noticed and have the positions that seemingly a, prom- a prominence so that everybody could see I'm the leader. I told it before, I'll tell it again. David was four years old. We were walking through the woods on a family uh, vacation and, and he just head off down this trail and uh, he, he had his arms swinging like this and he said, he turned around and he said, I'm the leader. Where are we going? <laughs> yeah. Amen. And, and sometimes as a leader, that's exactly what you feel. I'm the leader. Now what? <laughs> I, 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 okay, I do have a position. I do have a ministry, or I, I'm put in a place. Now what? Amen. I think we learn to be leaders by learning to lead ourselves. Your number one person you lead is you. Take your finger and put it right here. This is the number one person I have to be leading. Amen. I can tell you, though, some of the most influential people, and I can only speak in the areas of which I work, but some of the most influential people in the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ do not have a position. Do not have a position. Amen. And so you can lead in a lot of different ways, but it's about your life that develops that influence. The very best leadership model is Jesus Christ. Amen. He tells us that we are to follow him. He is the consummate leader. Jesus, as a great leader, had a great mission and a great vision. The mission of Jesus was to do the will of the Father. That was his mission. In John 6 and 38, he said, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So he teaches us the best leaders are the ones that are doing the will of the heavenly father and not their own. It's it's way too often that people get a job or or a position or they get this place where they're, they're working in the church or they're working on their job, amen, and it becomes, you want them to have ownership. We want people to have ownership and, and, and buy into what they're doing, from teaching a Sunday school class to, to cleaning the house and, and everything that. We want people to buy in to say, this is, this is mine. But there's a difference between taking ownership and taking lordship. Like this is, this is, this is well, I guess I can do it over here. I, I'm going I'm to pick this up right quick. It's not plugged in. Oh, isn't it a beautiful guitar? 
Amen. I thought it wasn't plugged in. We'll get it here. I play guitar, in case you didn't know. I do play guitar. It's my guitar. I'm going to play my guitar. Actually, it's not. It's David's, but for the sake of this observation, this is my guitar. Can't nobody touch this guitar. Nobody can play this guitar but me. This is my guitar. Mm -hmm. It gets to the place where it's my Sunday school class. Nobody else can do the job but me. This is my job. This is my this and my that. But what we got to be understanding is that God wants us to take what we have and then teach somebody how to do it. Because this kingdom work is about what you pass on not what position you have. It's what you pass on. And MPC does a great job of passing on from one to another. Amen. And I'm so thankful today that we can learn the idea that leadership is not about my position, but it's what's the will of the Father. How can I influence somebody to be a better Christian? How can I influence somebody to do a better job in the kingdom? <clears throat> Praise God. He said it was to do the will of the one that sent him. I, I don't think I read this, but in conjunction, John 4, John 4 and 34, he said, Jesus said, my meat, my meat, my meat, my purpose is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Hallelujah. Can I just talk to, to some of our seniors right here in this house tonight? Let me talk to you. Don't take what you have and what you know with you. Give it to somebody. Tell your stories. Talk about what God has done in your life. If you have a gifting, share it with somebody. If you know how to do prayer work, if you know how to pray behind the scenes, then teach somebody. Grab some of these young ladies and say, you're mine. For the next few days, we're going to talk about this and I want to invest in you. I want to help you because I don't want to leave. Let us not go with a full casket. But let it be empty that we have shared our life with others because your life matters, your life experience matters, and what your wisdom is, it matters. Don't take it with you. Amen. Let's lay it all out on the line. Amen. If they receive it, if they don't receive it, let's just love them anyway. That's a good, that's a good thought right there. That needs about five amens right quick. Jesus had a mission that was to do the will of the Father, but he also had a vision of how that looked. A mission is what you do. A vision is, is your why. Why are you doing this? And he said in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. In Luke 19 and 10, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus had a vision to be a servant. He didn't come for everybody to dote on him. He came to deliver those that were in need of, of freedom. Jesus understood his mission. Jesus cast a vision of how things would look. Amen. When the will of the Father was accomplished, here's how you know it. I'm seeking and saving those that are lost. This is, brothers and sisters, how leadership looks. Jesus articulated a vision that would ignite the mission of the apostles to then do the will of the Father. And they begin to carry on what his work started. That, my friend, is the definition of leadership. Oh, that you and I would leave a legacy that is so impactful that those that get it will continue on for the years and years and years 
that will, however long the Lord allows, it will continue. Aren't you glad for the legacy of some of these elders that have already gone on, that poured into you, that poured into me? Aren't you? Somebody say leadership. You don't have to have a position to do that. You don't have to have a title to do that. You just have to have a servant's heart. Jesus gives a call for us to be servants. Leader's identity, a leader's significance or sense of self-worth cannot be wrapped up in his title or his position. Let me just tell you, I love my, my job. I dearly love preaching and teaching this congregation. I enjoy it. Sometimes I don't have a clue what I'm about to say, but I enjoy it. But my identity is not in this pulpit. One day, should the Lord tarry, I will no longer be filling the role of a pastor at MPC. But if there's anybody that has taught me how to live my life in ministry, it's our bishop. He doesn't know the word retire. How you spell it? Well, I can tell you this. Retirement's not even in the Bible. So we may move from one assignment to another assignment. But by God's grace, let us keep serving. Let us keep loving. Let us keep leading. Amen. It's not that we're to retire and sit back and, and, and twiddle our, tho- our toes in the, in the river while we're fishing. Amen. But we need to make sure that we're doing something. I wish I could stir our hearts tonight to, to say, I am going to be a leader for the rest of my life. Until the Lord takes me, I want influence. I want influence for the good cause of my heavenly father. What are the words that you and I are waiting to hear one day? Now, what? Well done, thou good and faithful. Sir, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful Sunday school teacher. Are thou good and faithful pastor? Are thou good and faithful sound man? He wants us to be good and faithful in what we do. But he said, I'm looking for servants. And if you're a good and faithful servant, You'll be a good and faithful Sunday school teacher. You'll be a good and faithful musician, a good and faithful, amen, leader in, in whatever capacity God, God calls us to serve that we may influence others. Come follow me, as, as Paul said, as I follow Christ. If I have any influence, let it be that I point you to Christ. I point you to him. I point you to a better, better vision than I could ever have myself. Our highest calling as a child of God is to be a servant. We serve. We love. If you're going to do whatever your hands find to do, the Bible said do it with all your, do it with everything you got. Put everything. Amen. I want to talk to you about the attitude of a servant. What a servant looks like. And Jesus modeled this for us. Let's go to the book of Philippians. Praise God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. You know this verse. We've heard it before. Let's look at it again. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Praise God. Did I give you that? I didn't. Can you type it in right quick for me? I apologize. It's one of the key verses. How can I leave that out? Praise God. Amen. Aren't you good and thankful for our media team? Y'all don't have to turn your fingers over the leaves. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Give them a hand. Yes, sir. (laughs) 
That's, that's Gavin back there, if you didn't know. Let this mind, somebody say attitude. attitude. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let the attitude of Christ be your attitude. Amen. So what is this attitude? What is this mindset? What is this mental disposition in a certain direction? That's what the word means. What is this? Well, he goes on to show us in the next few verses. Amen. Did I give you 6 through 7? Philippians 2, 6 through 7? Boy, I'm striking out real quick here. Come on. I, this is a test. This is a test for the next few hours that I'm preaching this message. Y'all didn't catch it, did you? Or did you just ignore it? Praise God. Thank you. Philippians 2, 6 through 7. What is the attitude? Here it is. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is his attitude. There is a desire within the nature of people to be recognized. Don't you like to be recognized? I do. We like to be honored. We like to be exalted. It is this innate desire that fuels much of our ambition. The human model of leading and living is based on ambition and self-exaltation, notoriety, being seen for who we are. Nobody appreciates who I am. You know, we want to be appreciated. Anybody with me? I want to be appreciated. Turn to your neighbor and say, will you please appreciate me? <laughs> well, we might as well have fun tonight. There's nothing wrong with ambition as long as it's founded in the correct motives. But the Bible said his attitude was that he made of himself no reputation. That phrase, no reputation, those two words together in the Greek is a verb which means to empty oneself, to divest oneself of position. To divest oneself of position. He emptied himself. Now, God could not empty himself of himself. He is going to be God no matter what. He did not empty himself of deity or he would cease to be the Almighty. The everlasting could never cease to be everlasting. So what did he empty himself of? Jesus, for the sake of the mission and the ministry, divested himself of the right and the privilege of glory. For the right and the privilege of having that honor bestowed upon him, he, he emptied himself it is indeed the great transformation that reveals that Christ did not selfishly exploit his divine uh, mode of being. He didn't exploit his divinity. He could have snapped his finger and somebody would have not just been to a pillar of salt. They would be dirt. Dirt. Yeah, you want to talk about me? Dirt. He could have done that, but rather he emptied himself who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He took on the form of a servant. The word form here refers to the outward display of an inward reality. The word in the Greek is morphe, and it refers to the outward display of this reality inside what one sees being displayed externally in Christ is the reality because it reveals his heart. His heart was that of a servant. It was the Lord of glory 
the king of the universe, the creator of all things, who at the Passover feast laid aside his outward garments, wrapped a towel around himself, and performed the duties of a servant. That is what we see him as being transformed from what he could be and what he had, but rather he took on the form of the servant. You see, the way you can find whether somebody is really a, a servant leader is whether they use their authority to squash people, to kick people down, to tell people off. Well, I let them have it. I know what to say. I'll, I'll put the, mm, I'll, 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 I'll use, you see, that, you see that sign on my desk? Do you see that sign on my door? That says Boss. I'll show you. Well, did you see the sign in heaven? He's God, and yet he did not do that. He showed us leadership of serving, of humbling himself. Amen. And washing the disciples' feet is a beautiful picture of how the king of glory divested himself of the right to say, you ought to be washing my feet, but I choose to wash yours. That, brothers and sisters, is servant leadership. Look what it says about this situation in John 13. John 13 and 3. Did I give you that? Hey! <laughs> Thank you, Gavin. Jesus knowing, read it carefully, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. He had that knowledge and understanding and that he was come from God and went to God. He knew who he was. Just because you serve doesn't mean that you lose the understanding of who you are. You don't have to become a slave. It's about becoming a servant. He knew who he was and come from God and went to God, and he raised up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. While the disciples were discussing, if you remember what they were discussing, anybody remember what they were discussing? Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Now, who's going to sit next to Jesus? Who's going to be on his left hand and on his right hand? Who's going to have the, the high job? Who's going to be the assistant to the assistant of the assistant? Who's going to, who's going to have that, that high position? I want, to, I want to be, and you know what he does? He says, I'm going to show you what this is all about. He laid aside his right to set them straight and showed them this is how you lead. You lead by loving and you lead by serving and you lead by helping and you lead by caring and you lead by example. Washing the disciples' feet did not diminish the deity or glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus was as comfortable walking on water as he was using water to wash their feet. Because he knew who he was. And brothers and sisters, you and I can be the best leaders we possibly can be when we know who we are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, you can be comfortable, amen, in your own skin. You don't have to feel like you got to you don't feel, have to feel like you got to impress anybody. You don't feel like you have to have everybody patting you on the back. You know that your your reward is watching that person. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you it is a tough thing in pastoral ministry because you often see the negative. You see the people that have the problems because that's usually what comes to you. But the times that I do get to watch somebody grow, I watch somebody improve I watch somebody's marriage be healed, or I see somebody that, that, that grows and becomes a, a better person, a better a child of God. I want to tell you, my wife and I, we will mark that down as a Holy Ghost hallelujah win. I, I watching you grow makes me shout. Watching you overcome something that has you uh, uh, down and out makes me want to shout. Amen. Why? Because God wants us all to grow together. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
At some point in time, we have to ask ourselves the question, in leadership, do I have to be recognized for me to feel valued? No. I, I, let me, let me some, some thought come up. Uh, we were at uh, Wabash uh, the other Sunday watching our granddaughters get baptized. And Pastor Timothy, whew, I'm telling you what, he preached. I was sitting back there, amening, clapping, cheering. Why? I invested 11 years in that dude. 11 long, wonderful years. I hope you watch it. And it made me proud to watch him deliver such a powerful message. He was given his vision for the year, and it, it was just like, you go. You see, if you learn to celebrate what others do, it'll fulfill when you feel like nobody's celebrating with you. I wish somebody would celebrate me. Well, just start celebrating others because you reap what you sow. Amen? You reap what you sow. There are many times that, that Pastor Timothy, I, we would leave and he'd preach a message or David, or somebody here that preaches a message that, you know, man, pastor, you missed it. I can tell you on, on numerous occasions, that, pastor, you missed it. And, and, and sometimes I have said, you're welcome. You're welcome. But in reality, it's, ah, don't, don't you want whoever's, how many of you want your kids to be better off than you? How many want your kids to not fight the same battles that you fought? Let them fight their own battles. Yes, yes, we want them to mature and grow. But oh my, I don't want them to. I want to see them mature and grow. That's leadership. All right. Continuing in chapter, Philippians chapter 2. Amen. Did I give you verse 1 through 4? Hey, all right. Thank you. I want to talk to you about eight attitudes of a servant leader. Verse 1. If therefore there, <coughs> if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, have the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That's one sentence. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but, on, but every man also on the things of others. True ministry, true leadership is about serving. Let me give you from this text eight attitudes of a servant. First thing that is said, if there therefore be any cons consolation in Christ. The word consolation means provided solace, encouragement, exhortation. Number one, servants express encouragement. Me encouraging you doesn't diminish me. But it lifts all of us up, right? When you encourage, that's the attitude that Christ had of a servant. When you seek to raise the confidence level of others, you are a leader. When you encourage another person, you are a leader. You're a servant leader. Number two, then he said something that's a little foreign to us in the modern day English, but he said, if any bows and mercy... If any bows and mercy. Bows and mercy, that statement means to feel deeply. It describes the compassion that moves a man to the deepest depths of his being. Servant leaders are not detached emotionally from those they serve. So number two attitude is that servants have genuine empathy. They express encouragement, 
and they have genuine empathy. Servants lead by feeling other people. Feeling. If somebody's hurting, we ought to feel that. Somebody is, is, is joyful. Well, let's feel that too. We serve by having genuine empathy. Number three, the statement is, be like-minded, having the same love. Servants are not keepers of the peace. They are peacemakers. Now, peacemakers are not appeasers. They seek to please God and bring man into harmony with God. Peacemakers don't just stop wars. They replace the cause of war with reconciliation and unity. Servants lead by creating a like-minded culture, becoming one based on this same love and same mission. Again, the statement is, be like-minded and having the same love. So number three attitude is servants maintain unity. Servants maintain unity. They express encouragement. They have genuine empathy and they maintain unity. Number four, the statement is, being of one accord and of one mind. Servants see the big picture. The trademark of the Acts Church was they had a passion for the purpose of the kingdom. They saw the big picture. They had all things common. They saw the big picture. The number four statement then, our attitude is that servants understand purpose. Servants express encouragement. They have genuine empathy. They maintain unity. And they understand purpose or we would say the big picture. They understand that the kingdom's bigger than their role. They understand that the work of the church is bigger than their position. Everything, everything is important. You know, when you walk through the door, it's important how the, how the ushers and the greeters greet you. When you walk through the door, it is how, it's important how, do you know how hard it is to get the right temperature for everybody? And when y'all get that figured out, you let us know. What is that right temperature? Aren't you glad, though, for an, a, a building that's retaining the heat like, like, like it does now? Thank God for that. That's the, thank the Lord. Insulation. Hallelujah. But that's all part of when somebody walks through the door, it, it's determined by how does the atmosphere feel? How, how does the room feel? Is it friendly faces? Or is everybody... Is, it, is, 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 is there an aura about our church that says, welcome, we love you, we appreciate you, amen. Is there, is there something that, you know, we want the sound to be right, we want the setting to be right, and, 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 and that is not to ever take the place of the Holy Spirit, but you and I must do what we can do so that there is no distraction to somebody getting born again, hearing the word. If there's anything, listen to this carefully. If there's anything that offends somebody, it ought to be that it comes from this word and what the word says. Because Jesus said, I come to bring a sword, just so you know. Is that the word can offend those that are lost and need salvation. So, Number four is a servant understands the big picture or the purpose. The fifth statement is let nothing, somebody say nothing. nothing. Let nothing be done through strife. Whew. It's very important and we, we want to work on this in the next, next couple of weeks. We want to talk a lot about being prepared and being structured and, and having order how many of you are, are, what is it, beavers? How many of you that were beavers from our, our come on, there's, there's some, there's some, mm-hmm, yay. Well, there's a few of y'all, I about called you out. <laughs> Structure people. Order people. Makes us beaver, our, our, us otter people very happy. 
But the thing of it is, we can have order and organization. We need that. But what we can't have is strife. What is strife? It's party making. Party making. It is, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about donkeys and elephants. I'm talking about my team, my side, you know, you over here and y'all over. Do you know that Dr. Reveille's dad told a story one time about a church in Illinois that actually had a line painted down the center aisle? And this group would have nothing to do with that group. I don't think they're a church anymore. So, number five, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. Servants are not politically motivated. They're not politically motivated. Number six, the statement is a continuation of the one before it. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Servants do not have an excessive favorable opinion of their own importance. Servants are not narcissistic, self-centered. I heard one preacher make this statement. Some great things of God have come out of this mouth of mine. Hmm. Servants are not narcissistic, self-centered, or egotistical. Servants are not drunk on their own self-importance, but rather they are consumed with doing the will of the Father as a servant. That's what Jesus taught us, didn't he? Amen. Not for vainglory, but for his glory. I didn't do it for you. I did it for him. Do it as unto him. Do it as unto him. Amen. Servants do not starve for the spotlight, but yet they use discretion in their life. They don't serve in social media circles so everybody will pat their back, but rather they serve to encourage. You talk about being influencers and all these social influencers. Amen. Most of them are just simply vainglory seekers. But thank God for those that have said, I'm going to get the word out to help somebody, to encourage somebody, to uplift somebody. That's who I want to follow. That's who I want to find their post. Amen. Anybody here follow uh, Pastor Whitley? Anybody here on, on, on social media? If you are on Facebook and you are, or if you're on Instagram, go find N.S. Whitley, Pastor Whitley from down in Knoxville who came through here and was with us for a good period of time. Uplifting, encouraging all the time. I'll tell you somebody else you ought to follow is this and not here. Every day, every day, he's writing something encouraging. You see, that's influence. Hallelujah. Servants express encouragement. They have genuine empathy. They maintain unity. They understand purpose. They're not politically motivated, but neither do they as the last, as, a, as, as number six is, servants are not conceited. Say that with me. Servants are not conceited. Number seven. The scriptures segment says, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I'll, I'll get right to this point because it's readily seeable. Servants are humble. Servants are humble. Genuine humility is not bemoaning of how low you are, but it's about how High do you elevate those around you. It's, humility is not how, how groveling and poor me I can be. That's actually the, the counterpart of pride. That's pride's cousin. That's pride's flip of the coin. Amen. But rather, it is in lowliness of mind. Mr. Vines writes about lowliness of mind and indicates that it indicates not merely a moral quality, but the subjection of self under the authority of, and in response to. It is the love, a response to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to help conform us 
into the character of Christ. Amen. Let me just tell you, humility is not about those that I'm being humbled to or lifting up. It is about, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. How many know that's who he was? He was a servant who humbled himself. Lift others up. My dad had a mean streak. My dad's dad, my grandfather, was an intense, practical joker. And, and you may not know this about my dad, but my dad had to overcome his addiction to telling jokes and practical jokes. He felt like he needed to for the Lord to use him in the area that he did. That's, that's my dad. But when my dad was the dean of men in a Bible college in San Antonio, he took a boy, a young man, who was, whose dad was a military, and this, this young man, everything in his life, in his room was like this. And, I mean, it was shoes polished, bed you could drop a quarter on and it'll bounce. I mean, this guy was so meticulous and so clean. And then he puts him with a young man from the hills of West Virginia who was just the exact opposite. And that, that, that military brat got very upset and he went to my dad and he said, he said, why? Why did you put this, this hillbilly in here with me? He is completely different than me. And, and, and my dad looked at him and said, exactly. He's meant to help you get humble, and you're meant to help him be better. Aren't you glad the way the Lord works like that? There's always somebody in our life that is meant to, we're meant to help, and they're meant to humble us. <laughs> I got to go. I have got to go. Last one, look not every man on the things of others, or, or look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. <clears throat> Working with other people is fun. <laughs> Cricket's playing right now. <laughs> but working with other people it's an interesting part of ministry, serving others. Working with others may be the servant's most difficult task. Now you can say amen. But servants strive to be team players. A servant is willing to sacrifice their own self-interest for the good of the whole group. A servant leader values other people's ideas and opinions. Organization alone does not ensure that people will work together. But servants usually get along well with other servants. Somebody say amen. amen. So number eight, servants works well with others. When, the, when you look at yourself in the mirror, do you look and see somebody that is a leader? Maybe you don't think yourself as a leader, but I will tell you, you're a leader. Uh, and I think of someone that comes to my mind that is a tremendous leader in this church and often maybe a quiet voice. But Brother John, you're a leader. I don't know anybody that's here every service sitting right there in that same place any more than you. Faithful. You talk about encouraging, that man has encouraged me more than I can count. You see, don't look at people as just being, okay, this is that. No, leadership is about serving. And these old and that whole eight thing that I said, you'll have to go back and listen to it sometime, about what a servant is and what our attitudes are. Let's be leaders. What do you say? John Bevere, who is a fantastic author, wrote this. He said, a slave is one who has to serve, who has to serve, while a servant is one who lives to serve. He went on to say, let's look at some of the difference between a slave's attitude and a servant's attitude. A slave has to, a servant gets to. 
A slave does the minimal requirement. A servant reaches the maximum potential. A slave goes one mile, and a servant goes the extra mile. A slave feels robbed, and a servant gives freely. Amen. A slave is bound, but a servant is liberated. A slave fights for his rights, and a servant lays down his rights. What did Jesus say? You know, they that which account to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, for whosoever will be great among you shall be your servant, and whosoever will be the chiefest among it shall be the servant of all. I wonder what Jesus looks like. When, I wonder what he looks at our, our examples and our models sometime. Amen. So today, I just wanted to encourage you, as we're getting ready to do new things, as we implement things, let's remember we're servant leadership. We're servant leaders. Would you stand to your feet with me right now? Thank you, Heavenly Father, today. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the, the opportunity, Lord, to learn about you and your model of leadership Help us to follow that. Help us to set ourselves up with the, with the desire to be like you, to serve like you, to love the Lord like you. Oh, God, we are so imperfect with that. We don't get it right all the time. But, oh, let us continue to move toward. Let us continue to reach toward being leaders, God, that are servants and servants that are leaders in the cause of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Will you take a moment? And ask yourself this question, am I a servant leader? Am I? It's not about your position. It's not about your title. But are you serving and working in the kingdom for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the mission? Lord, we praise you today. Can I, I just encourage you to worship the Lord here in this moment in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, I praise you today. Lord, I bless your name today. Oh, you are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. Help us, Lord, to mobilize a servant leadership mentality in our life. Help us to live out, Lord, that servant mentality. God, that you have given to these people. Lord, what a serving church we have. What a serving group of people we have. Oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.